Welcome back to the Our View podcast. This episode is part of our Mental Health Monday series. These episodes will highlight topics related to mental health. The episodes will sometimes share the stories of those who have been medically diagnosed with mental health disorders, and other episodes in the series will share interviews with mental health professionals who will provide an overview of the different types of mental health diagnoses and their treatment options. These episodes are intended to be informational and educational only. It is not medical advice, and any information within these episodes is not intended to diagnose. We encourage you to always seek the guidance of your medical physician or clinician for any decisions regarding your medical needs and conditions. Welcome back to the Our View podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Rebecca Hyde. Join our conversation as we discuss her experience of being a military wife, a mother, and her experience of living with bipolar disorder. I'm so happy to welcome Rebecca Hyde to the Our View podcast today. Uh, we have a great conversation uh, that is uh, going to take place today uh, regarding some mental health topics. This uh, episode is part of our Mental Health Mondays episodes that we are starting here in uh, 2021. So uh, everyone, please welcome Rebecca Hyde. <laughs> Hi, thanks. Thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Can you, um, I always ask my guests to introduce themselves. Uh, so can you please tell us who is Rebecca Hyde? <laughs> okay, so I am a wife, a mother. I've got three kids, wonderful husband. Um, we're high school sweethearts. I always tell this story because I guess we are kind of an anomaly these days. We we're high school sweethearts. Uh, he went right into the military as soon as we got married. We've been married 24 years now. He just retired from the military. So I was there from start to finish. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and we are now building our forever home. I hope unless he gets an itch to move again, which he may. <laughs> We've moved a lot over the years. Um we have, uh, we actually retired in Huntsville, Alabama, which is beautiful. I completely recommend it to anybody. I love it. I love the people. Um, and yeah, we have three, like I said, three kids. I've got two girls and a boy. Um, the boys, he's, he's my, he's my, yeah, that's my baby boy. He's 20. He's not <laughs> a baby anymore. Um, and then my two girls, those are my sweet princesses. I have a seven-year-old and an 11-year-old. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much me. I stay very involved in the military community. I'm probably more involved now even than I was when my husband was active duty. Mm -hmm. um, I started a nonprofit with a friend of mine um, a couple of years ago specifically for military spouses um, to come to have a safe place to come and talk about mental health and to be able to get the resources that they need to get the help they need. Um, that nonprofit, we just rebranded and it's called Mill Spouseology. Right now we're just on Facebook, but we're hoping to grow. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. That's my, 
my my volunteer stuff right now and then my paid job is i am a uh, career counselor a career specialist with vet jobs and i help veterans and spouses find jobs out in the uh, civilian sect and help with resumes and linkedin uh, profiles and things like that so yeah that's pretty much me like i said I'm, I'm, i wear a couple of different hats but I, I like to stay busy keeps me out of my head yeah yeah staying busy is uh <clears throat> so important it's um you know, I love what you said about your son. I'm I'm 39 and I am, I my mom has two children, my sister and myself. And it's like, yeah, I don't care how old I am. Like I'm still, I'm still the baby. I actually am the baby. Still the baby. So. And, and he's oldest, he's right. the oldest, you know, so I guess it's kind of weird, but I had him first. I've had him longer, you know, right. so my daughters would have a fit if they heard this. So hopefully, right. hopefully they won't hear it, but uh, yeah. My mom's. Yeah. My mom's favorite thing is she always, um, when she writes out cards or anything uh, for my birthday, she says to my favorite son, and I'm like, of course I'm your favorite, I'm your only son. <laughs> exactly. And you know, you have to let them all think they're favorites. And I'll whisper to the girls separately, I'll be like, you're my favorite, but you can't tell your sister. And then I'll tell the other one, you're my favorite, but you can't tell your sister. If they ever start sharing secrets, I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> They're going to have this, but I'm mama's favorite fight. I just, I see it coming. So I guess right. I should <laughs> It's so funny. Oh gosh, that is so funny. I definitely can relate to that for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so you and I, we met um, through a Facebook group called Find a Guest, Be a Guest. So in that group, you can post about your podcast and um, give a, a brief description of the type of guests you are looking for to have on your podcast. Or if you're looking to share your own story, you can write about yourself. And um, then the podcast host can reach out to you to say, I think you would be a good fit for my podcast. So you and I met there um, a few weeks ago. It was actually before the new year, it was around Christmas time uh, mm -hmm. that you and I um, started uh, discussing the possibility of you becoming a guest. And we're recording this, it's Monday. February 8th, which is crazy to believe that it's already February 2021. But uh, so you and I, we, we have discussed um, your story uh, in a, a very brief uh, summary and, and very brief detail. Well, first, I, I should say that, that we talked about you living with depression, anxiety, and uh, bipolar disorder. So can you um, explain to, uh, what that has been like for you, what types of symptoms you were experiencing, and, um, and at what point did you recognize that um, the things you were experiencing were something different and that you may need uh, to seek like um, the assistance of a mental health professional or um, you know, how, how that whole process went for you? Because I know every story is different, every experience is different. It is, and it's funny how people with mental health issues kind of resonate with one another because even though they're different diagnoses, it's still a lot, they're a lot similar. You know, it, it I have similarities that I share with several friends of mine, um, just, you know, some of the things, some of the same symptoms. So um, I told you my husband and I, you know, we met young, we married young, and uh, I guess I first started noticing it on his first deployment. He had left for six months and my son was 18 months old then. Um, and I was kind of isolated. You know, I had friends, but I'd never really been on my own. 
and I started noticing I was just mad all the time. I was mad. I wasn't sad. I wasn't crying. And that's typically, you know, you think people that are depressed, you know, oh, they're sad, they're crying. And that is the case for many situations, but depression can also manifest itself in frustration and anger. And I'm not an angry person. I'm like I am with you right now. That's typically how I am. I'm really laid back and I I avoid conflict at all costs. I'm just, just a really laid back person. So when I realized that I was so mad all the time, like I literally had got to the point one night I had an ink pen in my hand and I was like, I'm just about to stab my husband if he doesn't get out of my face. (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't take it anymore. So I went to the doctor. We were in Pascagoula, Mississippi. We were stationed down there. I went to the doctor and explained to him what was going on. And I just thought I had anger issues. And he said, I think you're suffering from depression. I was like, depression? I'm not I'm not sad. I'm not crying. I'm just mad. You know, I'm I'm irritable. I'm short-tempered. And this just isn't, isn't who I am. He said, no, I really think you have depression. We're going to try this medicine. I was like, no, no, I don't want to be on medicine. I don't want to take medicine the rest of my life. And he said, you know what? It's a chemical imbalance. And sometimes we all need stuff. You know, people need high blood pressure medicine. They need Mm -hmm. cholesterol medicine. And some people need things just to help them get through the day. So I started taking depression medicine. And that continued um, through... 2000 let's see that was in 2000 so that just the depression medicine and just the depression diagnosis continued through 2009 2009 we were stationed in hawaii and this is when things really started going downhill for me it, it started in 09 and then i had um i had a mental break in 2017 but in 2009 we were stationed in hawaii and I was pregnant with my daughter, uh, my oldest. She's my oldest. She's 11, the 11 year old now, but we were stationed in Hawaii and I was 37 weeks pregnant. My very best friend in the world passed away suddenly, my mom. Um, she wasn't sick. She had gone into the hospital for a routine pacemaker check and things went wrong and she passed. And um, it was completely unexpected and it was so much harder on me because I could not go home for the funeral being 37 weeks pregnant I wasn't allowed to fly um so I didn't get that closure you know especially I'm not sure how it is everywhere else but I was born and raised in Mississippi and especially in my family and I think pretty much in the south in general you know things are final when you see that casket go in the grave when you Mm -hmm. see that handful of dirt go on that casket, that's when you know things are final. And I never got that closure. And the world just started caving in on me. And I went to the doctor and pill after pill after pill after pill. They would just keep piling on a pill, pile on a pill, pile on a pill. And they had given me medicine to help me sleep because I wasn't sleeping at night. And it led to a whole nother ball of wax because um I started having amnesia from it it was such a strong sleeping pill I would get up and drive around the block in the middle of the night and didn't even know what I was doing and I had at that point I had my son and my my little girl and I it's just not safe my husband was deployed all the time he's gone on a ship nine ten months at a time I've got to keep it together I have to and um 
everything was hidden. No one knew the mental health struggles that I was dealing with because in the Navy, they have a program called the Ombudsman Program. And basically what that is, is I'm the liaison between the ship and the families when the ship is deployed. So I had 365 sailors' families that relied on me when that ship was gone. They relied on me if information needed to go to the ship, if the ship needed to get information to the families, if someone had a baby, if someone had a mental health crisis, I was the person they called. And I did it, it was 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, and I did it for six years. I couldn't afford to let them know in my mind that I was a weak person, that I had to have this medication to function, that I had bad days, that, you know, in my head, I, I can't go on anymore. I could not let them know that because they had to have someone they could come to. And I was afraid if they knew the struggles that I had, they would feel like they were alone and didn't have anybody. Mm -hmm. um, again, I kept going to the doctor pill after pill after pill. You know, that was their, that was what they did. That was their band-aid. Um, finally, in 2016, we'd had another baby in 2013. Finally, in 2016, we were able to move back to the back to what we call the mainland. I was in Hawaii, so we moved back to the, the actual, you know, continental U.S. We moved to Tennessee. I was a big fan of that move because I felt like I would be closer to my family. I would be, I would feel at home because I was close to where Mama lived. Um, I'm always telling people if you don't deal with grief when it happens, if you don't deal with your mental health issues when you need to, they will pile up on you. They're going to erupt at some point. It's going to. You can only feel that void, feel it, feel it, feel it so much until it's just going to erupt. We got to Tennessee. I started working full time. Um, my husband was home, thank thank heavens at that point. He wasn't on a ship anymore. He was he had shore duty, so he was home all the time. But I was trying to balance home life, work life. I was going to school. Um, and it was too much. And finally, I just had a break. I was doing things that were completely, completely out of my character. I'm terrified of heights. If you would have called me and said, hey, Becca, let's go jump out of an airplane. I would have been like, boom, let's go. Let's go right now. It, midnight, let's go jump out of an airplane. Becca, let's go do drugs. I've never done drugs in my life. I would have said, absolutely, let's go right now. Let's go. I was 100 miles an hour. Just go, 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 go. I was volunteering. I was a Girl Scout leader. I was volunteering here. I was blogging here. I was trying to work, going to school, balancing home. And it's just like, okay, I, I just need more and more and more and more and more. Um, let's just keep piling it on. Um, and finally, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm doing these things. I'm wanting to do these things. I was spending money like crazy. It was very impulsive spending. Um, things that just completely were out of my character. Um, and I went to the doctor and I was crying all the time, just controllably, just uncontrollably crying mad all the time. I would go from mad to crying. 
to, okay, I'm happy. I've got all this energy. I don't need to sleep. I'm going a hundred miles an hour. And then I hit that wall and I went to my doctor and I said, I am on all of this medication. At that point, military doctors had put me on eight different mental health medicines at, at the same time. I was taking eight pills a day. I went to my doctor. I said, this is what's going on. I think I need to be admitted. I think that you need to put me somewhere. I was sobbing because I was scared I was going to do something that would be, I was going to do some kind of damage that was absolutely irreversible. Um, and I said, you got to do something. I don't want another pill. Put me in the psych ward, do whatever you need to do, but fix me because I have babies and a husband that rely on me and need me and I need them. And we sat there. It's the longest psych visit I've ever had. He sat there with me for two hours and he's, we went over everything, my moods, everything that could possibly be talked about, we talked about. And he said, you have bipolar disorder. And I was like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, and he said, this is, these are classic bipolar symptoms, the hundred miles an hour, all the energy in the world. And then all of a sudden you hit a wall. He said, and you're telling me that you've had You've had several episodes like this, you know, the ups and downs and the lulls and you've not, he said, that's mania. Whenever you hit that, you're going a hundred miles an hour and you can't stop and you can't turn your brain off and you can't sleep because you can't turn your brain off. He said, that's, that's mania. That's complete bipolar disorder. He said, all this stuff that you're, you're trying to do, you do drugs. And I wasn't trying to do drugs. I'm just mm -hmm. giving you an example of just some of the things that I would have done. Um, he said, you have bipolar disorder. He said, we're going to start taking you down off of these medications and get you on the right medications. So I had been misdiagnosed for 20 years. I was simply diagnosed with depression when there was much, much more going on. Um, I got on the correct medication, but before I got what I consider stable, um, I had suicidal ideations. I had gotten to the point in my head that if my children have to live with a mother who has bipolar disorder, who can't control her moods, who has to stay on medicine for the rest of her life to function like a normal person, my family deserves better than this. My husband, my children, they all deserve so much better than what I can give them. I had a plan. I never will forget. It was Memorial Day of 2017. I had a plan. Um, I knew what I was doing. I was convinced that that was the best route for my family. And the my saving grace was my oldest crawled up in my lap that night and said, Mama, I just love you to death. You are, you're my best friend. You're the best mama in the world. And I don't know what I'd do without you. That baby saved my life. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was divine intervention, if she just sensed something was wrong. I don't know what it was, but she saved me. And after that, I started doing all the research I could on bipolar disorder. I realized that, you know, a lot of your suicides are people that have bipolar disorder because of the um, 
spontaneity of things. You know, whenever you have bipolar disorder, you're very impulsive. Mm -hmm. And I can see how it would have been easy for me to, to have committed suicide at a bad point in my life. And it's done. That's something that's final. Once you do it, you do it. And a lot of people that have bipolar disorder go off of medication because they think they're okay. And then that's when things kind of go south. But after I started educating myself and realizing the dangers of not staying on your medication, following self-care regimens, keeping up with your circadian rhythm, all the things that you need to do to stay healthy, I decided that I'm going to use this to help other people. I'm going to use my struggles to put myself out there and be able to reach others and help them realize you're not crazy. You aren't bipolar. You have bipolar. It doesn't define you. Just like a person that has cancer. They're not cancer. They have cancer. You're, you know, it doesn't define who you are as a person. It's something you struggle with. It's something that you deal with, but it's not who you are. It's not what you are. And that is um, so important to the, the self-talk that, that you have with yourself um, about your diagnosis. That is so important. And, um, you know, that's, it, it's, it's very, you know, as you said, with cancer, using cancer as, a, as the example, you know, it's the same thing with me with having spina bifida. I'm not spina bifida. You know, exactly. I, I have spina bifida. Yes. And it does cause me to do things differently. I have to switch things up, but it's the, um, it's the self-talk that really, uh, helps to make a, a difference. I, I think in, um, you know, and accepting uh, a diagnosis. So, so that's really, really important. I'm glad to, that you mentioned that for sure. Acceptance was the hardest part for me, I think. Um, <laughs> Once I accepted that it was something that I would have to live with for the rest of my life and that I would have to do things a little differently than others, um, it's, it's easier. Um, it's still a daily struggle, but I realized I don't have to do it alone. I have friends. I have people I talk with, friends like you. You know, I hope we really stay in touch with each other and we're able to help yes, each other out. Definitely. I think our kind of align. Yes. Um, I have friends that support me and I find that I do, I feel better when I can help other people. Um, I had a friend reach out to me last night. I was driving to Mississippi um, to see my mother-in-law and I had a friend reach out to me. I was driving and she said, Becca, I'm just in a bad place right now. You know, I'm in, I'm in a horrible place and I, I'm spiraling and I can't get out of my head and, and I just, I don't, I can't shower. I can't brush my teeth. I just cannot, I can't. So I called her and we talked for about an hour, you know, and she just needed somebody that understood. She needed somebody to tell her you're in a bad place and that's okay. You're not going to be here forever. You know, you can have bad days. We can all have bad days, but we cannot unpack and live there. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I try to tell everybody, you know, and, and I'm very flattered. I was very flattered that, you know, she came to me and I was very thankful that she came to someone, um, to talk. And, you know, she knew that she needed somebody to talk to. She needed just someone else to validate that it's okay, that you're not doing all right right now. It's okay doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you your illness. It means you're human. You're 
struggling with mental health problems and that's okay. And that's kind of the, that's what I want to get out there to everybody is, you know, two things that I tell everybody when I'm talking about this. Like I told you before, it's okay to not be okay. And my second thing to tell everybody is be somebody, somebody. Everybody needs a somebody. If you can't be anything else in the world, in a world where you can be anything you want to be, be somebody, somebody. I love that and so much. I love I'm, that. <laughs> I would I would shout that from the tops of the mountains if I could and let everybody know it doesn't hurt to take two minutes, five minutes, be kind to somebody. You never know when your smile, your kind words can save a life. You know, you may be the only person that takes the time out of the day to text somebody, how are you doing today? How are you? You're on my mind. How are you doing? We spend more time than that surfing social media, looking at Facebook or watching sitcoms on TV. You know, it's okay to do that stuff. I like watching sitcoms too. I love to laugh. Laughing is my favorite pastime. I'll just listen to funny stuff. I don't listen to music when I'm driving. I listen to jokes and I listen to funny podcasts and things like that because I just love to laugh. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I challenge people, you know, you're sitting through that sitcom, watch your sitcom. But when there's a commercial, if there even is such a thing as commercials anymore with everybody having Netflix and everything, <laughs> but text somebody, find somebody random in your Facebook group and your Facebook page, you know, and in, in your personal friends list, because Lord knows we don't talk to every friend we have on our Facebook, find somebody random and text them. How are you doing today? Mm -hmm. You know? You're, you're, you're in my thoughts. What's going on with you? How are you? Get out of your head. I tell people all the time, get out of your head because it's sometimes our heads are a bad place to be. Um, and I just, you know, I just, I want to be an inspiration and I genuinely want to help people have somebody, you know, just, just be there and know that there are people out there. The world is a cruel, cruel place. But I choose to believe that there are more people out there than bad. Mm -hmm. And you got to give people a chance. And I want the world to know that mental health is not something to be scared of. You know, don't be scared of people that have mental health issues. Help them be there, understand. And, and talking about it, I think is key. That's yeah. one of the reasons that I have reached out to be a guest on podcasts because for a long time, I didn't tell my story. I was ashamed of it. I was ashamed of the stigma, um, scared of how I would be viewed as a military spouse with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't really start speaking out until I guess it's been about a year now. Um, mm -hmm. when I started talking about it, because I realized if I'm having these struggles within myself, then there are other people that are struggling as well that right. don't want to get help or, um, because everybody, and, and you know, the stigma, you've heard it, you know, you're a psych major, you know, exactly what surrounds the story of mental health. And the biggest thing is you can't see it. Right. And people forget that they don't know what another person's walk in life is like. Mm -hmm. And you could look at me out in town because I'm very uh, immersed in things. I stay busy. I love to volunteer. Um, 
I love talking about mental health to try to get people to, to get the help they need to realize that they need help. To look at me, just to meet me on the street, you would think I had it so together. You, know, you would think I was the most together person that you've probably ever met, but that is so not true. Most days in my head, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, today has been, you know, kind of a rough day. I was actually really looking forward to getting to talk to you today because, oh, you know, I, I woke up this morning and I've, I've been excited about meeting with you and, you know, I was like, man, you know, today's a really rough day for me. Lots of stuff going on, lots of changes. Um, mm-hmm. And today's a really rough day. And I'm like, but you know what? This is an opportunity for me to be able to share what a day in my life is like. Absolutely. And connect with other people who experience the same thing. And it's kind of how I got started talking about mental health is, you know, just wanting to help other people understand, educate, advocate, um, pretty much probably kind of similar to why you started our view, you know, people... Mm-hmm um are you know they don't know what they don't know and right educating them and you know really kind of being out there and letting people know you know mental illness isn't what you always see on tv you know so many people go to the internet or they go to tv and they watch things and they're like you know it's so not that sometimes it can be in severe cases but for the most part i think they tend to you know, TV focuses on the negative a lot. So absolutely. Um, break the stigma, you know, don't, don't always assume that everybody is okay because, you know, they're walking around looking like Miss Sunshine and everything is great, but don't assume that because a person has a mental health problem that we're a danger to ourselves or that we're a danger to you. Educate yourself and, Mm -hmm see what you can do to help a person that has mental health issues. If you're a family member and your family member has mental health issues, educate yourself on what to do to help them. Um, Yeah, that's so important to, to educate. And that that's the definite major uh, reason why I'm doing episodes like this because of the education piece. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you see, you see certain things on TV and the TV shows and, and you hear and you read stories about, oh, this person has this diagnosis and they did this Uh and they, they, but it always, it it doesn't always look like that, you Uh know, and for you, you said yourself, like yours came out in a lot of anger and you, you were, Uh uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, thinking about things that, that had to do with anger. And it's just like, it, it, it shows up in different ways and it's just, you have to, um, you know, it's so important to educate yourself about uh, different things and, and uh, different topics related to mental health. So mm-hmm. I, I really, uh, I, again, I, I thank you for uh, sharing, sharing your story. And um, the next, ne- the next question you kind of, you really just answered it about uh, the mis- the most common misconception of, that people have about uh, mental health diagnosis. And I think, um, you know, just having a better understanding, I think, of, of what it means and what different uh, terminology is. I think that's a big, um, you know, we're, we're made to believe that, um, you know, bipolar disorder means this and this, but it, it's so much more than that. So I, I think a big key is to educate, uh, educate yourself on these terms that you hear all the time. Exactly. And, and I know you 
being a psych major, you know what comes, I'm sure, with bipolar disorder. But I know you've probably also heard people, they're having a bad day today, and then in a couple hours, oh, they're happy. Oh, that person's just bipolar. No, that's not bipolar. That was right. you were having a bad moment. You were angry. You were sad. And then all of a sudden you're happy. That's called mood change. Right. <clears throat> and I get so frustrated when people, and this is just a little thing. I mean, it's, and it's petty in the, if, when you're looking at the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, but when people say, oh, the weather is so bipolar today, that's not even what it is. You mm-hmm. know, when you have bipolar disorder, you have weeks, you know, and some people do what's called rapid cycling and it could be, you know, they're okay today. They're, they're, they're down today. They're up tomorrow. And that does happen. That is a type of bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, your bipolar disorder is you have days and weeks where you're just up. You're on a mountain. Everything is great. The world is beautiful. You know, I used to tell my husband when I was in a manic state, when I was up, you know, it's like everything smelled better. Everything was more vibrant. I noticed things more you know, everything was just better. But Mm -hmm. then the higher the high I would have when that low would hit, it would be bad. Um, A lot of people, believe it or not, enjoy that mania phase. They enjoy it because they feel like they have so much energy. They get so much done. Um, They, you know, they feel productive. They feel like they're on top of the world. I don't, I don't enjoy that because I know for me personally, I am going to hit that wall and I'm going to have that really bad low. I like to, I like to stay stable. I like to be on a, and I still, like I told you, I have bad days and I have good days, but if I'm in a stable place where I'm doing my self care and there's triggers, I have triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, things I stay away from and my my daughters laugh at me because they'll want to watch a movie like they'll want to watch Benji or something I'm like I can't I cannot watch things that are sad because they'll bring me down just too low you know I don't Mm want to watch sad things I don't want to listen to sad stories I'm not listening to sad songs not reading sad books I don't watch the news because those things are triggers for me I have had to cut people out of my life because they weren't enhancing my life. They were triggers for me. And people can be triggers. And that's a big thing that people with mental health have to realize too is with with mental health issues, you have to define your boundaries. And that doesn't make you a bad person because you have to protect yourself. You have to do what's best for you. Absolutely. Because if you don't, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the big thing, finding those boundaries and that self-care. And I'm glad you did a self-care show because I feel like that is so important, especially in the times of COVID. Oh, my heavens. Yes. We all need some self-care, whether you have mental health <laughs> struggles or not. We yes, all we need do. self-care right now because that, from where I'm sitting, there's no end in sight. I wish I could say I see a light at the end of the tunnel, but I don't. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I fear that this this kind of may be our new norm for a while, and and I'm sure you, with your podcast, you've connected with lots of wonderful people that you may not have connected with pre-COVID. Absolutely, yeah. Um. So there has been some good, 
come out of COVID. Lots of people have networked and found people and made wonderful connections. So there's been some good, but you know, people just, they've got to do that self-care. And again, I'm so glad you did a show on that because I think that is so important. It is. It's so important that, um, you know, everybody that we all check in with ourselves and, um, you know, as, as we said earlier, you know, 2020 was something. It was, it was really, it was really no something. <laughs> right. It was I just no something. <laughs> something is the best thing I can say yes. about 2020. It was, it was just something. And it's um, to just check in with ourselves and to say like, hey, how am I doing today? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's so important. And just, um, I recorded an episode uh, for someone else's podcast about self-care and what it looks like for me. And I said, for me, it could just be shutting off the TV for a day and listening to an audiobook for a few hours. Uh -huh. It could be, I, I live in New Jersey, so it could be on a nice day when there's not snow on the ground like today, going and driving to the beach and just sitting uh -huh. at the beach for a couple of hours or just driving down, seeing the ocean and turning around and driving back home because I... <laughs> because it's within an hour drive from my house. Oh, so, yeah. you know, just going for a nice ride, going to see the ocean, sit there for a couple minutes and turn around and go home. It's just, it, it doesn't have to be anything big, uh, you know, big or expensive. People think self-care, they think of massages and days at the spa yeah. and things like that. It's like, no, it can be pretty inexpensive. It can be a, a tank of gas that you put in your car and just take a drive. Exactly. And just for like me, you said, listen, like you said, listening to a podcast, a funny podcast and, and just yeah. boosting your mood up a little bit. So it's really important. Exactly. And my best form of self-care, honestly, is disconnecting from social media for a day. Mm -hmm. I feel because social media, as much as I love being able to connect with people, it drains me sometimes because there's so much going on with so many different people and scenarios and situations. And the best self-care I can do is just disconnect from social media. And you don't realize how hard it is until you do it. Right. When you do, and by, by disconnecting, I mean, I turn off Facebook Messenger. I don't, not even just social media, just media in general. Like I cut off, I don't check my email. I don't get on Facebook Messenger. I don't do, you know, Instagram, none of that stuff. And it's it's hard because you don't realize how much time that sucks out of your day. Right. And sometimes I just get overwhelmed and I'm like, you know what? I just got to disconnect. I, I need to cut off and I need to focus on me. I need to focus on, let me take that time. I'd be surfing Facebook and let me read a book. Let me read something motivational or let me play a game with my kids. Right. You know, it can't, like you said, it doesn't have to be expensive for me. If I go spend a bunch of money, that's more stressful. That's not self care for me. <laughs> I got to pay that credit card bill at some True. point. <laughs> or my husband does. I shouldn't say me. Luckily he handles all the finances. So because that, that is something I struggle with having bipolar disorder. I, I'm a very impulsive spender. So, and it doesn't matter if it's a dollar or $5. And that's my husband. He's like, you nickel and dime me to death. You don't go spend $300 on a purse, but you'll go to, you'll go to the gas station and you'll just swipe that card and get a soda or a candy bar. And you don't think anything about it, but it adds up. <laughs> so, um, thankfully I have him in my corner and, and, you know, that's another thing. If you have, mental health issues take the time to you know if they don't want to educate themselves 
because that your family may not think it's important to get educated about it. You educate them and let them know. I tell my husband and my best friend, I've been friends with my best friend for 28 years, and I tell him, if I seem off to you, tell me because I may not realize it. I may not realize that I'm spiraling and I'm going downhill or that I'm very energetic and maybe going into a manic phase, you know, tell me, watch me, pay attention to me and help me because I cannot do it by myself. So educate your friends and family and ask them for help. Ask them, hey, tell them, these are my triggers. This is things that I have to stay away from. And there may be days, there may be things going on that I don't realize, help me realize these things within myself. And if it wasn't for them, I don't know what I would do because they keep me, they keep me balanced and I need that because like I said, there's sometimes I don't notice and I do get kind of irritated with them sometimes. I'm like, just leave me alone. (laughs) But usually they're right. And I'll, I'll start noticing like, okay, I might, I need to, you know, I need to talk to somebody. I need to see a therapist. I need to maybe talk to my doctor and see if I need a medication adjustment or you know, what's going on, or maybe, and sometimes it's just something as simple as I need to disconnect for a day and focus on self-care and kind of, you know, give myself a break. Right. Yeah. That is, um, that's so true to, I I think, um, like the, just the network of people you surround yourself with. And like you said, people who uplift you and people who are there to support you and and sometimes it's necessary to disconnect from people as well, as you also said, uh, yeah. people, who, people who are not uh, supportive of you, people who are your, who are triggering for you. And that goes for, that goes for everybody. There oh, are, absolutely. yeah, there are just um, some people who are, are, who may not be good for you, uh, you know, so to pay attention to that and then the network of people that you have surrounding you, I is I can't stress how important that is. Um, again, going back to 2020, uh, it's just the network of people who, you know, who who helped get us all through <laughs> last year is is just uh, you know it's just so important to hang on to those people and um, as you said, educate them about mm-hmm. what your um, you know, what your situation is, what your diagnosis is. And if they, I love that you said, if, if, if you seem off to them, like to let you know, mm-hmm. like, because those are the people you're closest to. They're the ones who will recognize those, <laughs> those differences in you and can bring them to your attention. So that was really, uh, really important to mention. So thank you. Yes, they definitely, <clears throat> they definitely keep me grounded. And, and, you know, back to, to, you know, distancing yourself for people that aren't healthy for you. I think a lot of times we feel a sense of obligation to people, to family members, things like that. And we have an obligation to ourselves. And that when I first started realizing that it made me feel somewhat like a selfish person, but at the same time, I have to be a little selfish about myself sometimes. And if a person And I I tell people this, you know, they'll have toxic friendships and toxic relationships. And I tell them, if a person does not enhance your life in some way, cut them loose. Whether it's they make you smile, they're there as a positive influence, they're, they're a good friend, whatever it may be. 
if you're not enhancing my life, I'm cutting you loose because you're taking up space for people that love me that will enhance my life. Absolutely. And I choose, I distance myself from negativity because there's too much of that stuff that I can't help deal with. I'm not going to deal with stuff that I can keep from having to deal with. Right. I, just, I will cut you loose with some scissors <laughs> in a second. I'll be snip snipping because I need to stay positive for my own mental health. I can't, I can't be around people that bring me down. I just can't. And I don't think anybody should, you know, right. even if you don't struggle with mental health issues, if you've constantly got these people that are negative, negative, negative in your ear, that's not healthy for anybody. Right. Yeah, that's so true. We, uh, you know, like, like you said, the, the things that we can control, it's, you know, there, there's so much that we can't control. It's like, okay, you can't do anything to fix that. But the stuff that I have control over that I can help and the things that I can, uh, you know, determine how that goes, like, yeah, I'll definitely take control of that. And, uh... and think about it. We all have those things that we could cut out of our life that take up. I'm sure you're probably thinking about stuff now that we've been talking about, like, yeah, you know. Like, yeah, maybe that person, maybe I should start distancing or maybe that thing, you know, that I can kind of do without or I don't need, you know, maybe that, you know, I, I could cut that out, you know, and, and I'm not, like I said, I need to exercise more. I know I do. And I need to stay away from the candy bar because that is a negative influence in my life, <laughs> you know, so that's stuff that I can control, you know, I can control whether or not I add this person that I know is negative onto my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, everything is out of control. The world 2020 was like we said, something else, and I'm not real sure how 2021 is going to pan out yet, but we have to control the things that we can control, especially now, because there's so much that we can't, and we just will be overwhelmed. So yeah, definitely, definitely those people that are, are negative in your life that just don't enhance it in some way, don't even give them the energy, you know, don't, don't let them take up that space. Yeah. Positivity. Yes. So to wrap up uh, our conversation, which I definitely enjoyed um, and appreciate you sharing your story with me and with uh, the listeners of the podcast, uh, what advice would you give to others who may be experiencing, um, who, who are either already living with a, a diagnosis, a bipolar diagnosis, or uh, if they are feeling some of the um, symptoms of you know something just may not uh something may not feel right to them about how they are are feeling uh mentally um definitely trust your intuition if you feel like something is off go get help if you don't feel like you're getting what you need from the doctor that you're seeing find another one there are and and you're not going to be a fit with every therapist you're not going to be a fit with every psychiatrist and that's okay. There's plenty of them out there. You can kind of pick and choose. Um, it's just like, you know, I think about it like this. If I'm, if I have to go have heart surgery, if I'm not comfortable with that cardiologist, guess what? He's not cutting me open. So if you're not comfortable with the doctor that you're seeing, find somebody else. If you're not seeing somebody, find somebody. If you need to talk to somebody, there are plenty of counselors, even online stuff that's out there right now. There are nonprofits that you don't even have to have insurance to talk to people. 
um, don't stay in your own head. Reach out, get the help that you need that you deserve because you're a human, you're a wonderful person. Get what you deserve, get the help you need, educate your friends and family, and just know that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And for everybody that is okay, be there for somebody who's not. Be that somebody, somebody. You know, smile at somebody, check in on your friends, check in on people, and just, you know, be a positive light in the world. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Thank you so, so much for that. Um, and thank you again for this uh, great conversation. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you and, and grateful to have connected with you. And um, definitely, uh, I know this episode will reach the right person, will reach the right ears. And um, so thank you so much. We are, uh, again, grateful to share your story of, of living with uh, bipolar diagnosis and just uh, raising awareness and educating about it and what it looks like for you and how, you know, it, uh, you're, you're not bipolar, you have bipolar and you uh -huh. live with it and, you know, you have a family and you have friends and you do things and you have a job and just, you know, just, Absolutely. What, yeah. And what it can, you know, wh what it can be and the possibilities. Um, so I, I, I often hear, um, in different ways, uh, once people receive uh, a specific diagnosis that, you know, it's the end of the world and it might feel like that temporarily. Mm -hmm. And it might, uh, you know, it might be difficult to accept, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, acceptance was, was difficult for you at first, but mm -hmm. then once you connect again with, with the right doctor and the right medication and just, you know, you, you're able to live with it and you live Absolutely. and you, you know, and you're, uh, prosperous that you're, you know, you're just, you, you just, um, you know, it's really great to see and to hear your story to, um, you know, hopefully encourage someone else who, uh, you know, maybe starting off with their, uh, diagnosis and just to, um, give them a little bit of encouragement. So thank you again for your story and for your time. I appreciate it. And we will definitely, uh, be in touch and stay, connected with each other. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. And um, yes, absolutely. Stay in touch. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Leave us a review wherever you listen and let us know what you liked about this episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms for more disability related content at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W the number four, L-I-F-E. If you listen to this episode on your phone, take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and be sure to tag us. We thank you for listening and take care.